Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to OESA Automotive Insiders Podcast. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here today. My special guest is Jeff Schuster. He's the president of America's Operations and Global Vehicle Forecast at LMC Automotive, and that's a heck of a long title. <laughs> Jeff Schuster, happy to meet you. Love to hear from you. And well, thank you for accepting our invitation. And would you please introduce yourself to our, our listeners, our viewers? We'll probably make a video out of this as well. And Jeff, who are you and what got you involved in automotive? in the first place. Welcome, Jeff Schuster. Yeah, first of all, thank you very much, Bonnie. It's a pleasure mm-hmm. to be with you. Um, yeah, I'd say my automotive interest goes back to my childhood, uh, De- Detroit born and raised. Um, you know, I think if I go back, and I'm talking early days when I had a babysitter and, and we're um, playing around with matchbox cars and Hot Wheels and and I had a male babysitter at the time, and I was asking him, "Well, what what engine does this does this have, or when when what model is this?" And and I so I, I remember that at a very young age, and that kind of progressed to uh, my dad always having inter- interesting cars. And when we go on road trips, um, you know, your cars coming at you in the other direction, and and he would say, "Well, uh, this is a you know a a model year, especially the older ones. This is from the '60s, and this one changed. The headlamps were different." and and he'd go through the details of that. So I, I think it was ingrained in me at a very early age um, to be interested not only in, in cars, but in the trends of what people are buying and, and I guess um, what interests people in cars. Very interesting. I, I, I'm intrigued. You mentioned Detroit and you mentioned Matchbox cars. And that's, that, <laughs> that was quite, do you remember the Tonka trucks? Do you remember? Oh, of course, I had those as well. Absolutely. My, we had to buy those for my son as well, too. It was very, very interesting. Yes, automotive. Jeff, let's talk about your first car, your first real car, other than the little tiny ones you were playing <laughs> with. Do you remember your first car? Yeah, of course. Um, it's, a, it's a bittersweet memory because I remember buying my first car, um, with my own money, of course, uh, cutting lawns is how I was able to buy the car when I was 16. Um, so it was a 1977, I guess I'm dating myself. You can do the math now, but a 1977 um, um, Monte Carlo. Uh, so this car was probably the size of a freighter as far as the front end, it had a giant front end. I remember picking it up, uh, the guy that I bought it, he, he had a, a house where it had a detached garage in the back. So you had the fence kind of um, in, in the yard there and I pulled back and because it had the big front end I actually scraped the front quarter panel um, the first minute I owned the vehicle so that was how I got started with my first car. <laughs> Did you tell me the color of the car? It was blue blue with a white the, one of those Lando tops so it was blue with a white top oh, had a 305 awesome. engine in it um, yeah it, it was a, it was a fun car. Well fun cars were where it was at Jeff, 
let's talk about the state of automotive. Now, here we are. We're recording this session for OESA Automotive Insiders. It's the middle of May 2021. Looking back a year, everything was coming to a grinding halt, right? Production was stopping. I know in the middle of 2020, I've spoken to Julie Freem, the president and CEO of OESA, and she told me last year, at the end of last year, the beginning of this year, that automotive simply stopped. The production line stopped for 45 days. And now here we are, and I'm looking at the comments you sent me before we started today. And you say, and this is very optimistic, mm-hmm. you say the global auto, auto market came through the pandemic much better than expected back in May 2020. And then you say, who said the automotive industry is a dinosaur and can't adapt? I like the optimism in there. Would you please give us your overview of where it was and where we are now. And we'll talk about the future later. Jeff. Yeah, of course. Um, I think if we flash back and a lot of us want to put last year behind us for a lot of different reasons, but I think we have to look at where the automotive came from in the past year and how it did adapt. I think, you know, a year ago, you made a very good point. Um, We had almost absolutely zero automotive production in North America in April of last year. So if we go from that, go from demand that, that just pulled back significantly uh, a year ago, we were looking at volume that was going to be a pretty substantial pullback globally. Um, it ended up being about seven, eight million units higher than what we had thought. That's substantial. And I think the industry uh, really showed not only um, not only from a production standpoint, but I think all the way through the supply chain to production of the, the vehicle to the, the, the channel of uh, the retail channel of selling the vehicle. I think the industry and all of those different stages showed just how adaptive it really is. Uh, online uh, shopping, delivering vehicles, and even, um, even scheduling um, uh, drives or, or you know, time in the vehicle before you purchase it, bringing the vehicle to people's homes, whatever the dealer could do to make a sale was happening. So I think the, the ability to adapt and kind of move uh, with what's you know what the trends are and what the issues are, uh, really, to me, uh, defined why the industry outperformed expectations. The other side of that is certainly the consumer, uh, and I think as we progress through the second half of last year, the consumer really came back into the market uh, much stronger mm-hmm. than we had even expected. Um, this is at a time when when transaction prices were actually rising. Um, it was getting starting to get difficult to find vehicles. Uh, we'll talk about what that means today, which is even more difficult. But, but I, I think if we combine the fact that the industry showed us exactly how it can change and the consumer was, was willing to make the purchase, you ended up having a situation that uh, was much better than it could have been last year. Very interesting. The resilience, the ability to pivot, the ability mm. to to go from OMG, what's happening to yes, we will come out of this. Yes, we will figure out a way to re-engage our workforce. Yes, we will keep the wheels turning in our production facilities. Well, listen, Jeff, we all need a way to get from point A to point B. You, you got we're we're past the point of do you want a car or don't you want a car? It would be maybe what car, what kind of car or an electric bike, but we all know that we need to have a way. So automotive is part of uh, its its infrastructure all over the world. What's happening around, what's the global impact? I think we've been just focusing on, on the U.S. Do you see anything in terms of resilience of automotive in other countries, shall I ask? Absolutely, we do. We do. Um, you know, it, it varies. The, the market's in different stages when you look around the world, but I think it's safe to say Last year, every market outperformed expectations. Every market had that second half recovery. Some markets were more muted. Um, uh, Markets right now, 
you know, are dealing with different things. Um, I, I know we're going to get into the chip shortage, but I, you know, the, the market itself, uh, when we look around the world, uh, you, you have some restrictions, uh, say like in South America that are starting to have an impact still on, on demand. Um, many countries in Europe are still dealing with restrictions. And I think all of that is caused a little bit of a pullback at the beginning of the year, uh, but nothing substantial. China is now dealing with that ship, uh, chip shortage. Uh, the U.S., I think, is an outlier right now. The U.S. is starting to really uh, accelerate uh, in terms of, of picking up demand and, and uh, increasing sales in the last couple of months. Thank you, Jeff. Let's focus on trends. EV, electric vehicles are getting so popular. Electrification. I was speaking recently to a real estate attorney from Kerr Russell Law about the issue of charging stations. Where do they go? Who owns them? What are the the local impacts? What are the grid, power grid impacts? Uh, What is the convenience factor? Where do you put them? Let's talk about the attention that BEVs or battery electric vehicles are getting. And I know you want to talk to me a little bit about Ford's F-150 Lightning. BEV. Sounds interesting. Jeff, talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. I I think, first of all, if we combine kind of where the market came from last year and then bring Mm -hmm. the EV into that, there's quite a story here. I think when we look last year globally, um, volume of light vehicles was off about 14%. Um, EVs globally were up 29%. So the market grew almost 30% last year. Now, much of that is is a regulatory-driven environment uh, in Europe, Mm -hmm. in China, uh, but it's also demand. So it's a little bit of push-pull. I think when you contrast that in the U.S., U.S. was down almost what the the rest of the world was, down 15%. EVs were down 10% instead of up. So the U.S. is a little bit lagging in terms of interest and I think generating that that volume in, in uh, electric vehicles, uh, of course, there's a lot going on. So it's all about getting new models out. It's getting consumers excited about these vehicles. Uh, it, it's it's charging infrastructure, it's price, it's range. All of those issues are kind of circling around the consumer as they're deciding what vehicle mm-hmm. that they, they are interested in. Um, you know, if we take, uh, you mentioned the, the, the F-150 Lightning recently launched um, came in with a starting range. Now it's a wide range. It goes from $40,000 to around $70,000 before, uh, before the credit from the government. But a $40,000 price point on a, an electric truck that has a front um, trunk, essentially, uh, you, you can put whatever combination of words you want with that and what you want to call it. I don't know if it's been decided yet, but um, so you can put your golf, golf clubs in the front of the vehicle. You can put your ATV in the back of the vehicle and you can charge your house all at the same time. So quite an amazing and, and go zero to 60 at under four seconds in a, in a pickup truck. Um, so there's a lot that these electric vehicles have to offer. Uh, and I think if we start to see the price point come down, start to see that improvement in infrastructure, uh, this is going to be the liftoff for electric vehicles in the U.S. and around the world. I like your choice of verb, liftoff. That's a good That's a good one. Thank you. Jeff, something I haven't heard people talking about in a while, autonomous vehicles. Are they still being developed? Are they still being tested off somewhere where they're not being hacked and controlled, we can only hope, by, by a bad actor, we like to call them? What's, what is your viewpoint on, I read here in your notes, you say many in the industry have said that would be part of the mass market by now or in the next few years. This has proven to be too optimistic. What's your point of view on where are we going with autonomous, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I think this is the opportunity that, that analysts like myself take um, that have been following the auto industry for a long time and, and have been the skeptic saying um, autonomous vehicles, 
yes, they're coming, but it's not the timeline that, uh, that I think the tech world would like to think or assume. And I think this is where we pat ourselves on the back and say, see, uh, we, we told you. Um, doesn't mean that they won't come. I think um, the pandemic certainly um, paused, I think, development as the focus shifted to just maintaining operations. Um, but it didn't stop it. So I think the um, really what I think the industry is learning when the development of AVs and obviously AI uh, artificial intelligence is is driving a lot of this development. It's accelerating the timeline that you might have otherwise expected before AI. Um, but the reality is there are just a multitude of issues that a vehicle or or a human driver has to deal with and can make decisions. And and I think um, even though it's coming. It's proving a little more challenging to, I think, overcome all of the potential issues out there, the infant number of issues out there that that I think a vehicle would have to deal with without human interaction. So the industry really shifted uh, to a model of of putting some of the safety and and driver assist features in, such as lane control, adaptive cruise control, um, maybe emergency braking, some of the things that that will improve the safety and and frankly uh, save lives. Uh, without going all the way f- to autonomous driving. And this improvement and this change will also allow the industry to recruit, recoup some of the investment that they made, which has been massive. And if you go a long period of time, you know, finance 101, you go a long period of time without a return and you're going you're gonna to have shareholders to answer to, you're going to run out of investment funds. So I think this, is, this has been what the, uh, seems to be what the consensus has moved towards. And that would be there's, there's different levels of, of autonomous driving. Level four and five are really truly autonomous controlled uh, driving. Level two and three is a stage that I think the industry has shifted to, which is, again, bringing more of those safety features out. Thank you very much, Jeff. Very interesting. I'm going to impose on you now, if I may, for a little crystal ball prediction, or yeah. probably you prefer the word outlook. It's a more polite <laughs> more polite word, less prognosticator, and, and ooh, we don't want to do woo-woo. Where do you see the automotive industry in the U.S. going? And if you want to extend that to globally as well, a global recession, are we going to see that? What will change how people work? Jeff, a lot of people don't want to go back to the office. That might be an option. What will that do for the need for cars, for transportation? What will it do for the need for more public transportation? I know we're not doing a smart city show right now, but somebody has to get people from A to B when they want to go there. So what's your outlook? Yeah, um, big question. Um, yeah. And and in order to to look at that, um, by the way, I do have on the other side of my desk here. I do have a crystal ball, so <laughs> you know it's there just in case I need it, in case I need a little guidance. Um, but you. nonetheless, I think when we look at the outlook, um, all of those things are in play. I think you're right. I think the 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 working model has changed. We're likely looking at a hybrid work home uh, office situation in the future, as opposed to a you know, a, a dedicated uh, commuting every day to the office. Um, likely what that means, though, is there's going to be a need for a vehicle or transportation of some sort, uh, even even if you're only going to the office once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, so I think maybe what this does is it, it may impact the number of vehicles in a household. Um, I, I think what it also does is it puts pressure or puts interest back in that that shared mobility uh, model that was mm-hmm. starting to take off. And I'm thinking, you know, kind of Uber 2.0 and, and maybe yeah. even Uber and Lyft where you're, you're really uh, using, you know, using the, the ride hailing and, and ordering a vehicle. But that only works if it's almost immediate. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're all pretty um, 
pretty finicky consumers, we don't want to wait for anything, right? So you can't, this doesn't work if, if, if it's not instantaneous. And I think we're a little ways away from that. So in the meantime, the next, uh, say, five to 10 years, I think we are in a model that, uh, that ownership is still going to be there. I think people want, uh, and we saw that during the pandemic, I think that maybe was part of the reason in, in, in more urban environments why we saw such a recovery in automotive v- uh, volume and automotive sales. And that's people were using their own vehicle as PPE, uh, as a way to avoid interaction with, uh, with potential risk and, or others that, that might be at risk. And I think the desire to, to want your own vehicle and to be on your own time is still going to be there. So I think the industry is going to be grappling with this issue of, of the shared model, uh, which I think will be part of, you know, certainly part of where we go. There could be some downward pressure on volumes in the longer run, but I think we're still in a, in a, in a recovery here. Uh, what the pandemic did do, and maybe this is, uh, you know, one of the positive outcomes, is it told us when the recession was going to be. Uh, there was a looming recession out there. Um, it pulled it into 2020. And now we're at least over the next uh, few years, we're, we're into the, to the recovery and growth phase. So I think it's it's pretty positive outlook over the next few years for the auto sector. I think that's good news to absolutely everybody. Um, I know it's hard to get certain cars right now. It's hard to get absolutely everything. The impacts on the supply chain, right, Jeff, were, yeah. were pervasive. Anything retail from a vehicle to a computer to a an exercise bike, we won't go there. I also know that there's a biking boom around the world. I just spoke to some people from Bicycle Collective that has an inventory of bikes that goes back 20 years. And all they need to do is just fix the gears and make sure that the seat is safe and put some lights on it. And they're ready to help people who are in a non-motorized area be able to travel from point A to point B. I am so happy to speak with you, Jeff Schuster at LMC Automotive. Thank you for sharing your insights. Before we go, do you have any final word for our listeners, our viewers, in terms of what to expect? Let's say we're, as I say, we're May 2021 now. Mm. One year from now, any breaking news you want to see in that (laughs) crystal ball you haven't shown me on the video yet? Anything major that you see? You could say no, but what do you think? Anything? Oh, I would never say no to that. That's just an <laughs> invite to to look into the future, right? Um, well, I think the you know we we didn't get a lot into the 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 chip shortage right now. You mentioned it. It's hard to find vehicles. Yeah. It's hard to find gaming systems, computers. You know, everything's using a chip. So I think the auto sector maybe took a back seat um, from mm-hmm. a profitability of chips. So, so they're being hit hard with this right now. That's likely going to be lingering into next year. So I think that's okay. something the industry from a disruptive standpoint is going to have to deal with. Um, and I'll leave it with these parting words. You know, the industry is, has been on a wild ride. And all I can say is buckle up because it's not going to end. Yeah. buckle. We used to say, buckle up. You remember, buckle up for a safety. Buckle up, buckle up for a safety. Better buckle up. And that was about putting your seatbelt on. But right. but now we're talking. A, a I more think you a, need a five-point harness in this case. <laughs> there you go. Buckle up for safety in the industry itself. I'm glad that it's coming back. I'm glad the jobs are coming back. I'm glad that cars are coming back. And let's see how long people hold on to the cars they have and, and what the new vehicle inventory will be. It'll be interesting to see how pervasive battery electric cars will become, the pervasiveness and availability of charging stations, how communities will deal with power grid impacts. It'll be interesting to see how much travel. Jeff, I I suspect there's going to be a lot of vehicle travel this summer, the summer of 2021, as people get back. What do you say? You have any plans to uh, road trip? Road trip? 
Uh, I'm not a big road trip person, believe it or not, um, but, but certainly within within Michigan, northern Michigan. But I think there's uh, you're absolutely right. The roads are getting crowded already. I think, uh, you know, we, we have to bring air air transportation into this as well. I think a lot of people are going to be returning to travel with it, certainly within the U.S. We'll see if it goes international, but um, big expectations in, in areas that, that have been lacking uh, the tour industry for sure. Jeff Schuster. LMC Automotive. So happy to have welcomed you. Looking forward to hearing feedback from our audience. I know they're going to appreciate your insights and your view of the future. And I want to do a shout out to Drew Rhodes at OESA, April Buford, Julie Freem, Adam Slayman. And thank you all for listening, for being here. And Jeff, give my regards to everybody at LMC. And thank you for taking your time. Let's wave goodbye and say buckle up. Bye-bye. Buckle up. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.